Troops, you're back with me again. Thank you very much for subscribing and listening. Whether it's on all the fucking platforms, iTunes, Podbean, Google, uh, Spotify, whatever it might be. Thank you very much for taking the time out to click that subscribe button and subscribe to the one and only Granite Zero podcast. We are the only one out there like this. We are fucking unique and we are fucking special. So thank you very much. Uh, Before we kick off this next instalment with one of... Well, I'm going to fucking say it with one of my best friends out there now. Best mates. Definitely. Never met him. Best mates, though. Um, And Little Brown. um, I'd like to do a few shout-outs. As always, if you suffer aches and pains in your muscles or even in your mind. Make sure you use CBD oil, and the best out there is Infusion CBD. Supporters of the show, supporters of me, and supporters of you guys. So I'm going to give you a gift of 15% off. Put in the promo promo code GRANITE15 at checkout, and forget the fucking 10%, you get 15% off. You are welcome. God, I'm good to you guys. I'm so good. But in all fairness, I use it and I think it's top quality. So make sure you go and see Infusion CBD and support them. And yeah, get yourself 15% off. While you're online, you might want to get yourself some sports supplements. Now, there's loads out there. The industry is full of it. But wait. Take your time. Go and visit a veteran-owned, veteran-run company that also gives its profits and proceeds to charity, helping other injured veterans or servicemen. What's that? Who are you talking about, Tomo? I'm talking about Combat Fuel. That's who I'm talking about. Put in the promo code WARRIOR15 at checkout. 15% off. You are welcome. It's amazing. I'll use it. I have got the strawberries and cream, and I've also got banana. Banana. It is lovely. I'm not going to lie. I could drink it just for drinking it because it's nice. Nice to, t- nice to taste, taste. Sometimes you get protein shakes, and it tastes like fucking dick. This doesn't. This tastes like heaven in a cup. Mm. So go and see him. Combat fuel. After you've got that, though, go to the next veteran website and get some coffee. Yeah? Dead Mammoth. Dead Mammoth coffee. The best out there. It is. Fucking veteran owned. Ooh. It is roast to order. Ow! And it's ground to your taste. Shit! Tomo. I want some discount just because. Put in a promo code MIL15. Why? Get 15% off. 15. Yes. You're welcome. Thanks, mate. So, yeah, go and see Dead Mammoth Coffee. Get your 15% off. You're very much welcome. Now, I'm a sucker for sports apparel. 
apparel, however you say the word. Apparently I say it wrong, but whatever. I'm a sucker for it. And I'm also a sucker for companies that also help and support other companies. Um, when you're a veteran, you know, it's always good to support your oppo. Now, these guys have been supporting me for a while now, and they've given me the privilege of using this promo code. But first, go and see them. Go and see them. Check out their kit. It's fucking top notch. That is right flank. Now, right flank are fucking brilliant. They help support people that are suffering with PTSD, depression, uh, struggling veterans, and they help and support loads of people. But they're also going to help and support you by giving you a discount. Put in the promo code FLANKED15 at checkout and get yourself 15% off. Support them because they're just fucking top quality guys. Now, joining me today is Little Brown, as always. He's back. He's had his, he's had his 19 bottles of wine. He's, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> but... Yeah, so back with the Brothers of Destruction, the Degeneration X, the Legion of Doom, the Heart Foundation, the Bushwhacker Brothers, the list goes on and on, the Rock and Sock Connection. So joining me and Little Brown is the newly crowned Cage Warriors lightweight champion. The one and only Mason, the Dragon Jones. Guest of the year. Hat-trick appearance. We go into detail about his mentality into getting the title. We go into detail about him jumping out of aeroplanes because he needs a buzz. The list goes on and on. So welcome to the Granite Zero podcast, Mason Jones. Where all goes peak pong like always. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my yeah, the girls are fine, mate. They're they're loving life. There he is, that champ. To keep it there now, I look weird like top bombing it on. <laughs> Been chilling in the sun as well. Now we got back, so um, went straight back, got changed the, again, and chilling in the sun, back up. letting the gold glisten, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I um. One of the first days when, um, obviously, because isolation started the day before my fight, didn't it? So by the time we got back, and um, I was sunbathing and stuff, I had um, the belt set out on, on the front, um, overlooking the road on a little table set with there. My old man was like, why are you put there? I was like, just so everyone knows. 
they know now. <laughs> Mate, it's so heavy as well. Like, um, as soon as it's all sorted and everything goes back to normal, um, we'll have to meet up with some food up, um, beefy boys or something, and um, yeah, I'll mate. bring it up and and everything. It'd be good to have a catch up in person anyway. Ah, sweet. Well, little brown is ready for me to add him back in, so we'll add him in now. Get this sorted. Thanks, Mad. Can you show me the water down as well? Should be calling. Here, he is. Here we go. Hi, Dad. Little Brown. Here are we? There we go. Oh, look at that. That's all right, mate. Listening. This is the outside podcast. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? I can see Sean. I'm sure of you now. What's going on here? You can only see me. Well, I can see everyone. I can see you now. Yeah, I'm sorted. All yeah. set in the garden. Yeah. Like. Look at that. <laughs> Fucking hell, where do you live? <laughs> My parents, man. <laughs> 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 Could Jesus be worse. I, I'm, I'm in a fucking sauna at the minute. I've been helping build this as well. They build this onto the side, so... um. Hang on. They do it. There you go. You know, build ass. They dug a, I dug a path out all the um, the foundations from the put in. Oh, nice. So I've been doing that since um, my last fight. He's going to do some manual labor again. I've done it in years. Getting blisters on the hands and that. <laughs> I did he's blister my hands as well. He's getting so the blisters. Holding that, uh, he's holding that belt too much. But honestly, um, <laughs> the couple of days after I had it. Um, I obviously didn't let go of, like I'm sleeping with it a lot and um, didn't realise how heavy, heavy it is like until you, you you get hold of it you just don't sort of click on how heavy it actually is we weighed it I think I think it was something like 7 or 8 kilos yeah I um, I held Jack's uh, when he came into the restaurant and I had a photo <laughs> done with him it's, um, it is surprising how heavy it is isn't it mm. anyway just... how's things to you the rocket How's things here? Yeah, yeah, that. good, mate. He's not. He's no, spicy. I'm spicy today. Going agitated. Without work or what? Say again. Going mentally without working or? No, no, not not so much. Um, sorry, just turn you up. That I can hear you. Um, I'm keeping myself busy. Uh, for the first sort of six weeks of this, I had my daughter here. Yeah. And because her mum's a nurse, and it was like it makes sense for her to be with me. Yeah. Um, and she's gone back now, so this last sort of week has been a bit weird. Yeah, obviously you've gone from there to being a bit more isolated again. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to keep busy. I've still got mm-hmm. my podcast. I'm. I keep putting off. I need to just sit in Jump front in. of this, sit in front of this camera, do episode one, and then get going from there. But yeah. It's it's weird. Like I've I've been writing a lot of notes on what not to do for the podcast. Basically, what he's done is he's gone through the early episodes of Granite Zero and gone right. That's not what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's there's a lot of things that go wrong. Like I I did one the once um, with a friend of mine. This um, the business partner of my tattooist, and um, we got on really well. Anyway, so we did an awesome podcast. And um, everything gone well. And he was like, yeah, it all looks perfect and everything. So 
went home and he texted me that night and literally the sound hadn't recorded so we got all the footage and yeah. none of the sound had gone through so we had just a soundless video like sound <laughs> packed in I was like mate I'm so sorry I was like look don't worry we'll just do it again so I come down again and we did it again but um, I mean it's, it's no stress it's not like um, it's you make mistakes you just learn from them it's the same as anything yeah, I think um, my because I listen to a lot of podcasts, I think my biggest one is that I don't want to steal what other people have done. Yeah. So um, the format I'm thinking is that I might do one solo a week, one with a guest. Um, but the solo one is the one that I'm going to struggle with in, in terms of the format. Mm. So the, the people I listen to, like Bill Burr, um and crystalia i've got to remember not to steal like their little tidbits that they do like i i, I was um i was talking out with sean the other day about about it and it's like i've got to make sure that i'm not referring to said listener that's not with me at the time as dude because yeah. that's that's what crystalia does all the time it's like dude you know you gotta you gotta be the... because i'm so used to hearing it and like with Bill Burr, he's like, hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr. I've got to make sure I don't start my podcast with, hey, what's going on? Mm. You know, just little things like that. I'm having to make notes and remember that I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not the fighter and the kid. I've got to try and get my own thing. You know, I'm not Granite yeah. Zero. That's Sean. So I've got to try and right. somehow. No, what somehow. are you thinking of calling that? Um, I, I've got the name. It's going to be Obsessive Conversive. Uh, uh, as an exclusive for Granite Zero, the reason for that is that <laughs> I'm not claiming to have OCD or anything like that, but I do have funny little quirks about me that my brain just will not accept. Yeah. And do you know what, boys? This might be a, a brilliant opportunity for me to get the ball rolling for the podcast because I've been talking about it for fucking ages and just never done it. <laughs> but there's there's little things that my brain just does not accept. Um, and they, they do change over time as well, but I'll give you one example. So, you know, like the long sleeve sort of baseball t-shirts. Yeah. You get? In my head, you can't wear those with shorts because, <laughs> and, and, or a hoodie with shorts, unless it's like nighttime and it's got chilly. I always wear a hoodie with shorts. Yeah, that is my, my go-to look around the house is hoodie and shorts see if i saw you wearing a hoodie and shorts i'd be like no and, <laughs> uh, and you'd be like why are you saying no i'd be like mace are you cold you cannot or, do that are you cold or are you warm but see there's a Choose. perfect temperature so now like the temperatures this is perfect temperature for me this is cali weather so the sun's out it's like in between about 16 and probably the highest it goes about 22 yeah so it's shorts and when it's windy it's hoodie weather that is the perfect temperature shorts and hoodie weather see no <laughs> no see no <laughs> why, why are your legs so much warmer than your arms legs Should... don't get cold <laughs> they do legs don't get cold his legs don't my legs get cold i'm brown um <laughs> <laughs> is he brown I'm not built for the cold you, are, you have got a hell of a tan mind haven't you yeah but, uh, but how are we even related is the question nobody knows me and Sean had a quick conversation beforehand and I wanted to bring this up and again 
This is a slight steal from Brian Callan from The Fighter and the Kid, so I'll reference that. Have you two ever seen The Sun? <laughs> He's sat in it right now. Getting, getting... This is tanned for me. I'm so dark considering where he was. It, my, um, I'll have a like, look. Hold on. Like what you said about you two being related, my youngest brother, um, he literally steps off a plane, and by the time we, you get from the plane steps inside the building, he's already got a tan. <laughs> Is that tame? No, that's um, black sheep. No, my youngest brother's Kai. Do, what, do, you, do you call him black sheep? Black sheep, yeah. <laughs> Come on, you've got to explain that a little right, bit. Right, so... Um, Black Sheep the family is like the saying the the odd went out the, the not yeah yeah he's yeah. the Black Sheep the family so it's just because he's just not so much he's always done the naughtiest things he's just always done stuff and deliberately got caught or be done stuff that's so stupid that he's got caught chewing it so um like obviously I did wild stuff growing up like stole motorbikes and ended up doing naughty stuff and yeah. fighting and all sorts but and my my older brother did exactly the same things but we never really got caught he literally. <laughs> would just do stuff and almost hand himself in to the point where you don't know whether he's just stupid or whether he just does stuff to deliberately get caught, caught. So he's always been the black sheep of family and he's always got some mad idea. So like he come home um, a couple of weeks ago and like tried pass an idea off my mom and dad that he wanted to grow weed in the garden and do an isolation. They was like, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just wild. So um, he's always been the black sheep of the family so that's the one um i went to sort of help out earlier that's one of the reasons i'm late um he rang me um to say that he's doing a delivering job at the minute um he's changed jobs again um he does quite regularly um so he's delivering with hermes and another company and um he'd end up getting a flat tire so i went down to help him because he rang me to say he had a flat and obviously he didn't know um the rental and he said can you come come here and just take me to a carriage and get a change of tire i said look Go be in the back of the van, look underneath, there'll be a spare tire underneath. And then he was like, Oh, I don't know if there's a kit here or not. I said, Look, there'll definitely be a kit there. So he had to go changing it and they rang me back. He'd taken like he he's not dull either. He does stuff that's stupid sometimes, but he's he, he's intelligent in his own way. But um he managed to take the tire off, put it um and put the flat tire back on instead of putting the new tire back on. <laughs> <laughs> so he took it off, put it back on, and took it off and fixed it again. So by the time I called there, he managed to sort it. So uh, yeah. Oh. He's just stupid stuff, but um, he's good as gold. He's just, just black sheep. Yeah, but me, well, Darren's a black sheep for different reasons. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, uh, me and Sean had that similar sort of relationship, especially with uh, our, our school stuff. Um, I managed to get throughout my entire high school career and not pick up a single detention. Um, more so because of sport and I'd use that and it'd be like um, you know you haven't, you haven't done your French homework or whatever and I'd be like yeah sorry well I'm going to have to give you a detention and I'd be like you'll have to speak to uh, Mr Bradley because I've got an important cup game coming up so you Bradley know. Bodies, like yeah, he always weasel away out of trouble well, I was always in trouble <laughs> when it comes to thing, stuff though, like that never I just didn't I just wasn't smart enough to use those excuses. Because I was in the first team in basketball, football, uh, not football, didn't have one, rugby. But I was just wasn't smart enough to go, oh, I can, I've got rugby training. Because I knew <laughs> yeah, it was, was Thursday, Thursdays after school, I didn't have anything. <laughs> yeah. So, 
in school, I was in the, the national team, obviously the Welsh judo team. Um, didn't make it into the GB first team, um, mainly because my training partner was in my, my place in, in the team. But um, I still qualified with them. Um, and we, they used to, the Welsh team, the Welsh team used to take us out to school basically on Fridays, and we'd go away competing. And um, so I was always like, I'd miss a day on Friday, go away compete and stuff. So I was missing homework all the time, and come back. And I was always in trouble with um, one of the teachers. And I, it always makes me laugh because the end of the year, you know, they give her awards. So like, yeah. I'd win an award because I like won like national titles in judo, which is like really hard to do. And I won it in like the one year I won judo, jiu-jitsu and kickboxing titles, I think. So I'd won like a trifecta and different things. Like the judo one was ridiculously hard to win. I only ever won it one year. And um, like I said, big achievement in judo to win. Um, seniors is ridiculously hard to win because it's like an open. But anyway, um, and I won. I remember, I remember they, um, they give me an award for it, like a sporting thing. And then the other two boys who had an event said like, they qualified for like the, the Dragons junior team or something. And it was just like, it's like, how can you put them in the same category? And it was just like, the, they were so favoritism towards the rugby boys in school. That any of the, the boys, mm. my friends were all in the rugby teams. And then um, anything they did in rugby, they were just sort of, they, <laughs> they just jumped straight on. Yeah. And then like Madison, my girlfriend, we always, obviously you've met Mad. We always talk about the same because like she was, um, obviously she went to the Commonwealth Games at 16, I think. And um, she said they'd still do the same with her. They'd like, She'd be going away competing in like Russia and stuff, and then they'd be like, "Oh yeah, and here's the boys who <laughs> went to Newport and played rugby against someone else." And, like um, <laughs> a few of the boys that can understand it because like um, a couple of boys like Jai Rosser, um, he was my brother's age, especially my my brother's year in school. Um, uh, Team Basham, a couple of those like they're all they're all in pro rugby teams now. Like that's their full time jobs now. He's playing rugby. They they're doing legitly awesome, and they're the boys I can see being in the rugby being in the Welsh team in the future like I got no doubt in my mind they're going to make it but those boys have always been driven but my age in school we didn't even I think after we got to year 10 our rugby team stopped playing games because they couldn't get a team together because all my friends wanted to do was get on the piss and they didn't want to go <laughs> rugby at all so you can imagine the difference like yeah I had a, a, a similar situation uh, our school even though um, obviously it's it's English and we that most places are not as rugby driven our school that me and sean went to uh, at the time was there was no football team it was a rugby school yeah um and we we played a lot in wales and played a lot against a lot of private schools um and did pretty well to be fair <laughs> even well my age down to sean's age yeah um and years before me um but i i was actually the first person at my school to play for both county sides for football so i played for the the one that my league had yeah and also the school's county like no one had done that at bishop's oh, school they? before uh no mention of that <laughs> i i was <laughs> i got literally like you you see the awards that people have got for getting different things uh, at Add that to the list of stuff not doing your own podcast. Oh, yeah. Don't break my phone again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of awards. I mean, Sean even had to ask for um, for a basketball uh, board to be put up because it was literally just like rugby and athletics and cricket. That was it. That's yeah, the only, yeah. only sports that you've got any recognition. Um, and Sean managed to get... Because he spoke to... Board up. 
They still didn't put me first on there. They put it three years before <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, so at, at Bishops, you used to get a thing. So if you played at county level, or um, I think it was, if you played county to Midlands level, you got something called a half colours tie. Yeah. So, so oh, there he is. Like that. He's yeah. already got it. Got it. <laughs> are you sh- are you- I'm going to ask you a quick question. Are you sure that's not mine? Because mine isn't at Mum's. Oh, here we oh. go. You stole my tie. That's the way. It's my one because I had two. I. You didn't have two. You didn't get two. I did get given two. No, you don't. I, get- I had one because I was one of the youngest ones to get it due to being so damn good at basketball. Oh. <laughs> so that tie anyway you get awarded for playing county I did one there I didn't even play county rugby I I did no you didn't I did yeah no. I've got that's my tie <laughs> <laughs> you didn't play county rugby that's my tie I did play rugby just not county level oh this is a, this is making me more spicy <laughs> Stolen all of my ties from Mum's house, my, haven't you? That's my half colours. You fuck. I, if I was there, I would slap the shit out of you right now. You'd give it a good go. Okay. Right, you can give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> Two metres, though, boys. Two metre distance. Yeah. Our arms aren't long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking monkey arms. <laughs> you can always use weapons, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's it, it. Okay, got a story for you. Weapons. <laughs> um, so I had a little. What I'm trying to do at the moment because my dad, uh, my dad lives with me, but usually he's working in London, so I only yeah. see him for like a week or at maximum two weeks, um, because the family that he does security for is away at the moment. They only they, they've really reduced how many people they are they've got on rotation. Yep. So my dad's living with me, which is fine. It's, <laughs> it's just I'm used to how I live, and if I have him for a week, it's fine. You sort of adapt your life. He's been with me for about three weeks now. Um. So <laughs> it's not it's not bad. I love my dad. But it's, 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 it's a tough one. Um, so last night I thought, right, you know what? My old man likes to have a few drinks. He likes to go down the pub. I'll have a drink with him and have story time with Tom. Oh, here we go. No, but this, because the thing about my dad is he's got some, like my dad served awesome with. Awesome stories. Yeah. He, he served with the SAS. He, oh, was, he was in the RAF for 22 years. He was in the prison service for 22 years. Um, he's played professional football for God knows yeah. how many teams. He li- lived in Malta, Malaysia, um, like literally all over the place. Lived so, three lifetimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so I, I said to him, um, come on then, Dad, give us a story. So here's a great story. And I think, Sean, you'll like this story. Mace, I think you'll like it because it's funny. But I think Sean will like it more because of like the RAF side yeah. of it. So, Without bastardizing it enough, and this is something that I am going to do because on my podcast, I am going because of this time when my dad stays with me, I'm going to do a section called Shit My Dad Does. And <laughs> some of it is fucking infuriating, 
some of it will be like, come on, dad, give us a story and I'll, I'll put it on my podcast. So this is, um, he said, right, we, have I ever told you about Cameroon? I was like, <laughs> Cameroon? Of course you haven't told me about Cameroon. He's, he's told me about a few, like when he's been in Canada and stuff. I was like, Cameroon? No. And I was like, he was like, oh, it's, it's West Africa, I think. It's, uh, so we went over there to, to train uh, the, the local army um, on uh, freefall. So for those listening that don't know, which you should if you're listening to the Granite Zero podcast, there's, as far as I know, there's two different types of parachuting. You've got static line, which is where you're attached to the plane. You jump out and your parachute opens normally. It's usually lower. Um, and you've got a free fall, which is where you jump out. You get to a certain altitude. You open your parachute and away you go. So he had to, he had to go and... Halo as well. well Halo hey, from 40,000 feet. But hey, with your uh, oxygen mask. Yeah. But Halo's still free fall though, isn't it? You're not static. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's different because of the way that they do it. High altitude, low opening. Yeah, the, and hey ho, sorry. <laughs> right, so he's in, he's in, he's in Cameroon. They've got they, they're speaking broken English, but mostly in French. And Dad said to his officer at the time, he was like, "Well, what are we doing here?" And he was like, "You're, t- you're teaching them to free fall." And he was like, "Well, that's that's all well and good, but I don't want to do that unless we put." He, he called. There's a there's an instrument that you can get. That goes on the parachute. That once you get below a certain thing, I should it, know this. It automatically makes the parachute open. Automatically, and he was yeah. like, "Like they all need to have those on." And the officer was like, "Well, don't be so stupid. They're all they're all parachutists. They know how to parachute. You just need to show them how to freefall." And he said, "Dad said, yeah, but you've got one major thing wrong in your assessment here." And the officer was like, "Well, I don't think we have." And he went. Well, the English, well, the, the British, the the Russians, the Americans all have a certain parachute system where you open open up here. So yeah. for those listening, that's off your right shoulder. Your reserve is down by your tummy and your cutoff is on your it's left. Right or, or, or which, you know, whichever way around. I can't, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, cutoff's on your left, new parachute's on your right. So yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, um, and he said at the time because this is like I think he said it was about eighty six to eighty nine. He can't, he couldn't remember exactly. You still had one of the orange knives that you had to pull out and actually cut your cords off. Uh, it wasn't an automatic cut off. It's, it's right. like a little knife. It, it looks, it looks like an invert, like a hook, but with a. Yeah, sta- you still use them. You still have to carry one in case your lines yeah. get crossed. Yeah, so. Um, he said, so that's how all of the, the French do it in reverse. He said, I guarantee you there's going to be somebody that fucks that up. He said, even though we can tell them and they can speak a bit of English, somebody will get this wrong as they pull their shoot. They're going to pull the wrong fucking one. Lo and behold, it happened. And this is where the funny bit comes in and the weapons. <laughs> so the one guy gets it completely fucking wrong. He ends up having to uh, go on his reserve, ends up in a fucking tree in the middle of an African field somewhere <laughs> with God knows, like giraffes and also, I don't know. 
but you know it, just to paint a bit of a picture there's probably like it's not like just going into Llanethly and landing in a tree you're in fucking Cameroon so he's in this tree he's dangling from the tree it took him like hours to find the guy because they didn't have radios of course they didn't so they found him and then obviously because the jurisdiction wasn't of the British troops. They were just there to make sure that they jumped out. Well, fly the plane, jump out. Yeah. Make sure that the, the responsibility went back to the Camer- Cameroonian. Is it Cameroonian? The people from Cameroon. <laughs> get down. So they attached machetes to sticks and were hacking him out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and he then fell out of the fucking tree. <laughs> You couldn't make that up. No, you can't. I um, I machete, machete to hack him out. Like the health and safety over there doesn't sound the best to it. Uh, (laughs) And I said it was in the in the in the eighties as well. So you weren't even born. No, I wasn't. No, I um, I've done thirty-eight accredited solo jumps. I've skydiving. Have you? Yeah, <laughs> I um the last I haven't really I jumped once in the past twelve months, so I need to do a refresh when I do and eventually go back. But um, I didn't get my um my logbook signed, so um, my I had a nightmare because I was jumping from Redland Sky uh Redland, Redland Sky skydiving in near London. Um, I used to drive up. It'd take me about two hours there. I um, just I got new everyone there, and I um, rather than go to Swansea, which is probably closer. That I just like their whole system up there, and I like the people. So um, I've done all my all my jumps from there. <clears throat> and um, the airfield got bought up by one of the supermarkets, so um, it's completely closed now. So um, I need to find a new jump center and sort it all out. And with everything that was going on with the fight in now, all this, I haven't actually. Um, I haven't jumped in a long time now, so I need to do a refresh run off. If you um, g- give me a text because one of my friends who I got, I might be able to mention on here, but I might not because because of, of his job. Yeah. Um, he still jumps regularly. Well, two of them do actually. So um, and Sean, you know both of them. Yeah. Both Hereford lads. Um, just don't they- mention me. It's probably safer. Just. Yeah, Just call so, them lads. So, so <laughs> they lads. So um they still jump regularly, like literally any time the sun's out and, yeah. and wind's low, they're they're out. So Yeah, I need to get back in into it. Like I, I loved Tuna. It was just one, it was expensive, and two, um, with the fights coming up, I stopped Tuna whenever I was in camp just because yeah. I thought if I land awkwardly and turn an angle or something, yeah, you yeah. Know, my you're coaches not, will never forgive me. Donald's Zeroni on it. No, um, but you know the tool you said. The um, I can't remember the name for it. The it's the hook that sort of if you get to a certain temperature, it makes your parachute um, yeah. come out. Dad, well, Dad, um, did, Dad they, did the annoying thing yesterday. This is why I can't remember what it's called. He he used the out. the fucking annoying military term for it. He used the like the ADC, and I was like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what that fucking means. Yeah, you don't get to use. Abbreviations around, but that's one of my OCD things. Oh, I'm just gonna do my head in now because I got my. Uh, my I'm gonna go and find. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. Get him on it. Get him on the show. No. <laughs> shit too much at the moment. But I, I know one of the the 
because the new ones it sits on the top and you obviously turn it on you have to push it and match the lights and then yeah, um, yeah. if on it's on on the beginner shoots if you come down too quick so spiral down so hit some spiral turns and make sure you try and bring them down quick because i did it and they, they went mental on, on on me they said if you try and come down too quick on them and you pick up too much speed it thinks your parachute's failing so it will release your reserve so you'll end up losing it like it's safe because obviously it makes when it it deploys it'll automatically cut off your main shoot to fire yeah. reserve one obviously you're shooting your reserve so that if there is anything wrong with your reserve obviously you you're gonna kill yourself but the other thing is then they have to go and find <laughs> find the shoot <laughs> but, um, yeah i i was always lucky with all my jumps like the one i had a slow i had a slow deploy but apart from that, i never had anything it's called an aod aod automatic opening device well yeah AOD. Of course, you'd use the abbreviation for it. It's easier. Is that the military term for it? Might be. Well, that's, that's what he said, and that's the only way he knows how to talk. I haven't jumped for a long time, mine, but I got, I got my log back on upstairs, so I'll go have a look through my, um, my instructional packs <laughs> <laughs> after this, and I'll drop you a message. <laughs> yeah. I've got, a, I've got a good photo of it, actually. Um. Oh, he just uh, he just put up all of his parachuting photos in his room. That's the one I got. Yeah, he's not class. Doing, but he's doing something. Yeah. <laughs> he's being he's like Jesus. Hard arch. <laughs> so he um he he was saying that um as well his first jump that he did was out of an air balloon. Oh shit! And it's, yeah, he's got like a sack as well. Yeah, he um. He said it's, a, it's you sort of get the sensation of falling if you jump out of a helicopter, but not, it depends what the helicopter's doing. If you if it's if it's doing the hovering thing, which yeah. I don't know the technical term for, which is probably hovering, um, then then you do get the the slight sensation of like like if you jump off a diving board, you're like Wah! you don't get that, but you do get that from a a hot air balloon because it's. They, he, he literally jumped out of one of the balloons they used for World War Two. It was the same same balloon. They don't go that high, though, the balloons, don't do they? They don't go as, no, eight, as high as the airplanes, though. 800 feet, it was. Yeah, really low. Low altitude jumps. But, um, like, obviously, I don't want to make this whole podcast about Tom, uh, but... <laughs> no, but, no, skydiving. I've always been fascinated with skydiving, because, obviously, I was, that was what I grew up with. Um, so the saw. Uh, literally, I I lived by Bryce Norton, um, but th- he also was one of the pioneers for the Halo and the Hey Ho. <laughs> That's so stupid. Hey ho, hey ho. My my dad was one of the pioneers for it um, in, back in the eighties, and also the filming of he used to jump off with you know like the TV cameras you get. Yeah. That's what he had on his helmet. <laughs> Because he was only like 11 stone, so they could load him up with weight and give him yeah, like yeah. a fat person canopy. He'd have to try and make up the same weight as the of the rest of them. For yeah, filming. camera guy. So yeah. when he's doing military jumps, obviously all the paras have got all the same all their ammo. Yeah. Same and some of them have got machine guns and fucking yeah. some have got rifles. So they try and stagger it so they're the same weight. So basically he's getting yeah. dad all the weight. When, when they do the... Um... You know, obviously they do this skydives with charity and stuff, so that you strap to an instructor when you jump. 
yeah. The camera guys who go to record then they do the same thing. They have to load themselves up with weight so that, and um, and then they try and make themselves small so that obviously they they um catch they, them up. Yeah. It, it's solid. Like you see them jump, they'll jump straight after them. But like they try and get behind them as quick as possible. But um, it's funny because as soon as um the instructor saw me coming regularly and stuff, and like you start to speak into them. <laughs> I remember one of the times they had um they had a girl. She didn't want to jump, and they were like, "Look, you you don't have to. Obviously, um, you go through the day with Freddie to do this jump, but if you want to, then yeah." And I think her parents talked her in, into it, and she got up to the plane, and um they managed to jump out. She managed to go for it, but as soon as she came out, instead of relaxing, she just started kicking her arms and legs like proper kicking ev- everywhere. So he deployed <laughs> like ridiculously high. I'm sure it took him like 20 minutes to come down because obviously he was under canopy for so long. Like I think he, he deployed at something like 8,000 feet, something ridiculous. Because obviously we were jumping from like 10,500. And as soon as he came out, she was kicking off that much that he couldn't control the free fall. So he just had to get some sort of control out of it and just pull. <laughs> so I remember we sat there and they were like, he's deployed really high. And when he came down, he was gliding down. Thin. Well, that's another thing Dad was saying that he he did a, a charity jump, um, and I can't. No, it wasn't a charity jump. It was a, it was a again. It was a jump in. It was in America. Yeah. And it was over one of the deserts. I think it was like Arizona. Oh, um, and he deployed his parachute, and they were testing the rectangular parachutes at the time. Yeah. And. Basically, he 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 caught he he deployed early and ended up being in the air for forty five minutes and at one point went up because he hit a thermal, so he went yeah, yeah. up again. When he finally got down, he couldn't fucking walk. <laughs> he couldn't get up because his leg, it, like. It, he said it took. Been in here so long. Yeah, it, took, it took him like 10, 15 minutes to get feeling back in his legs because the, the, the power of the canopy pulling up and his harness cut yeah. off all the blood, both of his legs. He couldn't walk. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first time I did my my jump and uh, um, uh, free fall, so um, I done a like a charity jump when I was 16 for my birthday and I always wanted to try doing solo. So um, my parents paid my first day FF, um, my level, like my level one, the first course, part of the course. And then um, like they go through so much of free fall and pulling. So all you have to do on, on the way down is you have a suit on with handles all over the arms and the legs and stuff. And then um, they help, like you have to just literally um, go off knee. I'm sure it's off knee. Jump in, and they're holding on on you to like help pull you out of the plane. And all you have to do is practice pulls. So you hit an hard arch, and then you wave off, reach, touch, hold, and do that three times. And that's all you have to do to pass the level. And um, like we've done so much about like being under free fall and everything, and like they they make sure it. And I made I smashed that. But as soon as I got on the canopy. Like, they'd gone through it and all, all me, but because I've been so focused on the free fall thing, all I can remember is pull a turn down and hold for three seconds. So I pull, hold for three, pull, hold for three, and they said, just keep going back and pull. Well, <laughs> I landed. I landed like a mile and a half away. And because you're under such a big canvas, a beginner canvas, what they say is it's like a bus. So the turning it is so slow. So they said, what, what I was doing, where I was holding for three seconds, you're supposed to hold, wait till the thing starts moving. As soon as it starts 
move and then count to three. So instead of doing like turns side to side and just sort of like staying where we were, I ended up doing like half turns and just going in a straight line. <laughs> so <laughs> miles away. So they had to send a car to come and fetch me. They did. I got that far off course. They, they were a good laugh of mine. Like um, rather than like sort of like shout me out and be like, look, you obviously fucked it and you, you clearly didn't listen properly. It was like, look, it was like you just didn't hold it long enough. Easy mistake to make. No problem. Do you want to go up again? I was like, yeah, of course, do the next level. But um, they were sound. I really got on with them in the course. Like um, the only time I've ever seen the, like the guy who was in charge, he was like an old, older guy, not old. And he's like, he, I think he was in his 40s or his 50s. And um, he was one of them ones sort of, you didn't, you, you don't mess with just because he was like, Really nice, but if if you pissed him off, like he was serious. And I remember there was a couple of Italians who come across, and they must be on a holiday and sort of come to do some jumps. And um, the one rule they had was when you're coming back into your landing, um, your landing, um, what's it called? Sort of your landing ship. I can't remember the full, the proper term. I need to go through everything again. But um, when you're doing your landing pattern, you never go over the hang the hanger, just because if you do come yeah. down too low and you hit the hang hanger, obviously everything's going to go wrong very quickly. So you never come over the hanger from a certain um, from a certain height. And I remember they come. Um, the only person who decided to do it was him, because um, he'd done like thirty thousand jumps, something ridiculous. So um, he, um, I remember these Italians come over and the, the absolute shitstorm he kicked off afterwards. I remember I was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> never piss him off. But um, yeah, it was good. Um, I definitely have to get back into it again. It's just obviously with time constraints and stuff and um, finding a new airfield and stuff is something I'd have to look into. Well, yeah, I'll try and hook you up with um, with the lads that I know that still jump. Yeah, yeah. Because they do jump regularly. They're forever, cool, forever posting videos. Uh, um, I, the one lad posted one not so long ago of him. He was he posted the videos of him going out, and I think he wears like a GoPro. Yeah, yeah. But but apparently you've got to have a, a certain license for doing that as well. Even yeah, even though the cam camera guy calls yeah, yeah, even though the cameras can now just be like, like a, a webcam that you put on your computer. Yeah. Um, I but got a question he, about that because I had a brand new GoPro. And I questioned about it to ask. And what they said is, you have to do over, it's 100 jumps for a helmet, I think. And then it's something like either, or something something like that for a full face helmet. And then to wear a GoPro, you have to do over a certain amount. I might have got, I've got their numbers wrong. But anyway, you have to do a certain amount of jumps. Yeah, what yeah. they said is, is when you're jumping homely, if you have a GoPro and you don't fix it properly or something happens and you've jumped it comes off, off homely, yeah. if your camera comes off and you've got to grab it and then that sends you, Obviously, you have to rebalance and stuff. And if you're, like, you're close to your, la your deploy height, it's just another thing that could go wrong. So, um, yeah. like, under yeah. um, regulations and stuff, you have to assume yeah. jumps. It's a lot of stuff yeah, like that. Just jump in some groups. So. Yeah. Huh? You've know, you got to be safe when you're falling through the sky. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Even yeah. though I was at the Air Force, why do you want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Oh, it's good fun, mate. <laughs> good, really good fun. I, I, I imagine <laughs> I imagine it's absolutely exhilarating. I, I've done a bungee You've done a bungee jump? Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Why? Right. Fuck well, that. Basically, I, I go through stages where I think things are a good idea. and um, Yeah, but it's the same as me, on, that uh, is. <laughs> we're, we're on the fir our first holiday, and we were walking down um, towards the beach, and I saw the bungee jump. I went to the missile, and I could do that easy. And she went, yeah, go on in. I was like... What? What now? 
She's what like, are yeah, women? Go do it now. And I went, do you know what? I'll do it now. So you get weighed in that. Then you stand yeah. on there and get weighed. And obviously not at peak weight. <laughs> went up there. They attached me to this fucking bungee. And he was pulling me over the fucking edge before I even got up there. I was like, oh, dear. Then I got a bit of sweaty palmed. I was like, this is stupid. You look over the edge, you're like, this is really stupid. And then they obviously count you down, one, two, three, bungee. And I was thought, oh, fuck it. Let's just do it. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Enjoy it, though? Oh, exhilarating. I, I you should so, definitely I was, try a skydive, the two of you should. I, I was Solos are way more fun than... Uh, I would do it, but I'm... The, the adrenaline rush from it nah. was amazing. I was buzzing for, like, hours afterwards. Like... <laughs> you you have jumping off the top board at the fucking swimming bars makes your belly go a little bit. Try times in that by like sixty. Well, um, free I fall think time I from, so much. The free, the free fall time from ten thousand feet. Um, you go through a thousand um, feet. I'm gonna get this wrong again because I am, like I said, I'm <laughs> But I'm curious. You go through um, your first couple of thousand feet in. 10 seconds and then when you hit obviously maximum velocity you go th- after that you go through after the first 10 seconds you go through a thousand feet every five seconds so it ends up being coming from 10,000 feet your free fall time is at 35 seconds I think or 35 or 40 yeah. seconds so um, when you jump like your first couple it feels like there's no time at all and then as soon as you get experience and stuff, and like when you jump, they say like pre-plan what you're going to do in there just so you know exactly what you're sticking to. And then obviously you start applying from lower and lower heights. Um, like you get bored. <laughs> so, yeah, the last couple of times I was jumping, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Like <laughs> It's not like led around and look around and all while free fall. And um, oh, it's brilliant laugh. That's when you start doing stuff like um, you have to do like the formation jumps, you'll have to like jump with someone else yeah. and like you make shapes and stuff just so you can start jumping with other people. And um, that's when you can start like obviously film each other and start jumping with the boys messing around and stuff. So um, <laughs> I wanted to do that Ooh. in the end, but um, so it's something George. I always wanted to do. Say that again, mate. It was something I always wa- No, I, um, my signal's going a little bit, I think. It was something I always wanted to do, I think, just because... Um, after I did my first one, I just always liked doing stupid stuff. And it was something I wanted to do in the point. So that whenever I go different places, so like when I go to Cali, I could jump out there and stuff like that. And I remember when I was boxing, I went to Vegas and I was going to jump out there. And um, I remember like looking to go when it was um, the only play- airfield was open when I was in Vegas. It was like miles away and I'd have to pay for a Greyhound. And I ne- I'd unbooked it or sorted it out. So it was like ridiculously expensive. So I never ended up going. But um it's such a good experience, and like I'd recommend for anyone, if you ever get a chance, definitely have a go. And like the um, the uh, tandems are good, but the solo jump is so much more exhilarating. Sounds it. So, what's more exhilarating then, winning the championship or jumping out of a plane? Fighting. <laughs> no buzz like fighting, but there's no buzz. That's why um, Cerrone does all the stuff he does, the mad stuff, and um. There's another reason why I do it is like if I don't fight for a certain amount of time, I get too wound up and I don't want to do it myself. So I always end up doing something stupid. So um, like <laughs> stuff like riding bikes, skydiving, it was just another way for me to burn uh, a little bit of adrenaline off and calm myself down. 
I got a throwing think... axe board now in the house, so I've um, I got a pile of throwing axes here. So that's why I've been doing it my time off. You, you texted me the other day when you when you were building it, weren't you? You like my yeah. uncle's coming around, he's building me a throwing <laughs> axe. Thing. I was like, dude, what? <laughs> okay, now, um, see if you can see her. You see it there in the corner. <laughs> the fuck do you live, dude? Seriously, <laughs> you look you look like you're in Japan or something. <laughs> Fucking gnome behind you. Uh, yeah, there's no there's a couple. My mom's gardening there. Uh, can you see them? <laughs> Another one over there, I think. So what, what was it like then? Because obviously you were fighting in the em- empty arena, weren't you? That must have been strange. Nah, it's normal. It didn't really make a difference to me. Like, um, like, Without being sounding cocky or sounding like a dick, I've done it that many times and like fighting so natural to me that sort of the hardest part is staying calm. Like I've talked to you about this before, like um, staying calm before a fight is the hardest thing. Not so like like fear or anything like that because I never worry. By the time fight night's around, all my sort of nerves and stuff is all sorted. I've already visualized winning so many different times and you've done it, all the preps done. So my mindset on the time is always trying to stay as calm as possible because it's so easy to get better. So even thinking about it now, like I start getting jitters off because just to say, get you, wound you, up. You could see your body language changed immediately <laughs> as you started so, talking about it. It's trying to stay calm and um, even like, now, relaxed, look, look, look. relaxed and lying around and stuff and trying to stay calm about it. And then um, the only difference this one to the normal one was my dad normally. Um, normally gets into the coaching room with me and he normally sits there until I make the walk and just before I make the walk he makes a run to the stands and sits my mom and all because the rest of the ice stays in the changing rooms so um, this was the first fight where my dad went into the changing rooms with me because he wasn't allowed in the vet venue so he was just my coaching team so um, and they are the most one of my coaches is a bit of a stress head where he gets like he worries about everything and the other two were the most laid black dudes you'll ever meet in your life so they're both like laid back and like look come on to start warming up and stuff and then like i'm doing a bit and um and then we'll rest and we'll do a bit and then rest and do a bit and then they'll they'll come around to collect you and they'll start making the walk but um it wasn't really any different like when i was in there all that was really different is i could hear my coaching team a lot more clearly and i could hear his coaching team a lot more clearly that was it really everything else like sometimes you'll hear like a comment off like someone in the crowd will say something funny and they'll actually come through and you'll hear it. Um, but most of the time you just, like I just listen to the coaching team and that's, you just funnel everything out and you just focus in on obviously what you're doing. Like, I think it was, um, it was, it was more weird for the people watching. It because... sounded better in, and anyway, like when Mate, you kick or when you punch and you could hear him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, that poor guy. Well, <laughs> I told you this before, with the um, I'm sh- the Desme fight, where um, I was there kicking him, I'm sure it was a Desme fight. It was either Desme or it was, um, I'm sure it was, or Lexi, I'm sure it was a Desme. I um, tore the calf off my shin, so kicking him that hard and just smashing his leg. But the calf actually, where I caught him weird the one time, the, my calf actually tore away from my shin. I didn't even know in the fight till afterwards. And um, I started on the nerves sticking out, out my leg, and I didn't know where it was. So I went back to the doctor. And um, the local doctors are terrible. They, they literally went up and he sort of poked it and was like, no, it's nothing. Um, it's just a bit of a spot. I was like, it's not a spot because it's only there if I put pressure on my leg. Oh, what, no. What do you say? It was a vein. I was like, it's definitely not a vein because I didn't have it before this fight. 
And he was like, yeah, it's just a vein. If it gets worse, come back. Like, that's all they ever say at the doctors. So um, I went to see the physio and she was like, she was like, he's a complete idiot for telling you lies. She was like, it's a nerve. So what you've done, you've tore your, your calf away from the muscle sheath over your shin. And um, she said, that's the nerve sort of peeking through. So she gave me exercises to do to cover it up. And um, it's back to normal now sort of thing. But um, like those kicks, like they are like one of my most reliable things I use because they shut people down so much. And like, um, I remember um, when I was training Cali, one of the times we went out. So it was me, Madison, uh, my girlfriend, obviously. Um, one of the local girls who trained with us before, Steph and Alice, they, they, they were all training at the same time. So they was all crashing in the apartment we had. We had a big apartment, big enough for everyone. So rather than stay um, in the fight accommodation, they come and stayed with us. And obviously, you chipped in for everything. And so rather than pay for accommodation, they were, they were paying for like chipping in for fuel and food. So it made everything a bit cheaper. And um, one of the times we were out there training, there was um, a group of Russians out there that I had met before. And they were two brothers. And um, they were known in Team Alpha. They'd been out there a few times. And um, it, this was leading up the Desme fight. So they, one of the boy brothers fought Desme before. And um, he knew I was fighting Desme. And he hadn't really met me a few times before. So being Russians and being like they were, they um, sort of wanted to challenge me to sort of see how good I was and see if, like, obviously they thought they were better. So they wanted to just make a point of sort of trying to beat me up in sparring. So um, it was one of the first days of sparring. I was actually sparring because I'd been off. It was before um, I fight before the test. I had a little injury with my foot. So um, I'd been off for a little bit. So the first sparring I turned up to spar, one of the brothers, first thing he did was start saying stuff to Mad. So um, he was like flirting there saying, um, oh, you should be with me, da 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 and like flirting with her and stuff. And I was just there laughing and didn't say anything because it doesn't bother me. Like, um, she's the same as me. She knows I'm so laid back. So I was laughing. And then he was like, do you want first spa? So I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go together first. No problem. And um, we um, before we start sparring out, 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 out there, the first thing you, when you turn to sparring session, a lot of time, you'll, Danny will run the warm-up, Danny Castillo. And then he'll give you like, he doesn't do it all the time, but sometimes they'll give you like live drills to do. So um, it was like combo for combo, landing on each other, just to get warmed up and sort of get everything firing away. And like it's supposed to be like because you're only warming up like thirty percent contact. So um, I I went first. So I threw like a double jab turn on this boy, and it was nice and laid back and light, and like just literally touching each other, so you know what's coming. And I remember he threw something back, and it was like a, a one-two hook right turn. And I remember he just dropped every shot as hard as he could. So I just laughed. I um, blocked them all because I was I, I knew he was going to be a dick in anyway and looked across at Mad and Alice and they were laughing and um, he sort of was like looking at me waiting to see if I'd rise back and I didn't so I just kept going nice and light and every time he was throwing he was hitting me as hard as he could and I, thought, and I was just thinking in my head as soon as we go live I am going to absolutely just demolish you like you were having a kick in so um, <laughs> this, is, this is the thing because it's team alpha male and um, like they're not from the gym I'm not from that gym so you have to be careful with the regular guys because I know they went from there as well and the, this sound out there. So Danny could see what was happening the same as I could and they'll tell you to calm it down but they sort of let you do what you want to do and let the gym sort itself out. You just don't be a dick. So like if you spar with someone who's a, who's a lot, so if I sparred with someone who had never had an MMA fight before and started kicking lumps out of them before, then all they do is they probably put me with someone to give me a school and all they tell me to stop being a dick. I've seen it happen out there before. There's a wild weight who was picking on the lighter guys and they're some of the non-experienced guys and they've given a bit of a shell in. So he picked one of the Brazilian guys who was tough as nails. He's like a world champion type boxer and the, the guy literally just dropped him and flattened him into a corner. And they literally said to him, look, don't do it again. But um, 
so me and this Russian go live, and the first thing I did was leave with a jab and just throw the low kick straight as Achilles, my Achilles turn, same as I did in the last fight with Joe. Just nailed him as hard as I could in the ang- angle, and then stepped back. And you see him, because you, you can't check him, you can't block him. They're, they're right around the bottom. You're literally aiming to kick the Achilles, and they, it's, it's, a, it's such a sore point. And then I just hit him as hard as I could. <laughs> and then started picking him up with a jab and just kept drilling him. I know by the end of this round, the round of sparring we did, he'd taken about 10 of them as hard as I could in, into his angle. And literally the last minute of the sparring, he couldn't even walk after me. He was just planting his feet. And I was just dancing him, picking him up and dancing back out. And he didn't want to know. After the first minute of me kicking him, he didn't even want to be in there. Um, but the, like I said, the guy was a dick from the start. Then if you're going to be a dick, then I'll just be a dick back. And then... Um, after my round, he sat down. He didn't spar anymore because he couldn't walk on his foot. And um, he, ended up having to take, he ended up having to take two weeks out because I literally bruised all the back of his Achilles and bruised his Achilles and, like, all the bottom of his calf. And um, his brother said something to me afterwards. He was like, oh, you spar too hard. I was like, well, no. I was like, don't act a dick with me. If you want to be a dick, I'll be a dick back. And um, <laughs> I was talking to Mad and all about it. And she was like, no. She was like, everyone knew what was going on. And, like, Danny gave me, like, a fist bump after it. They can see what's going on. But um, Russians are like that. They're one of the, the only nationalities. Like, I've got a lot of friends with Russians, but they're weird people sometimes where um, it's sort of, like, quite primal when it comes to it, where they, they will sort of, like, be a bit <laughs> rough when it comes to sparring sometimes, and um, it can escalate. But it was just one of them things where uh, I remember the story because those those Achilles kicks, Achilles kicks, they're so underrated in MMA. And, like, I don't understand why more, more people don't use them because... Even though they don't show, so like sometimes a big head kick or cause bruises or like a big body kick, you can like see the wind go out of them. Those Achilles kicks have won Achilles kicks have won me so many fights because as soon as people can't move, they can't do anything. Like as soon as as soon as their mobility's gone, like same as the Romans, um, the Romans won because they were more mobile than any other army. That's why they, they conquered so much. They built roads. They were that mobile and a lot of things the more the more mobile force will always win and um it's the same as when you come down to fighting like if someone's faster than you and they're controlling distance and they're controlling the mobility and they're controlling the range they're going to win if if you can just if you can stop them moving and you can control the range so that you're in and you're and in and then when you don't want to get hit you're back out of range then you'll win everything and that's how i won i beat joe i slowed him down and then when I wanted to and when he couldn't move so much I pressed him against the cage and then um, I started to hand in and then as soon as I closed I knew that knee was coming and that's what shut him down So um, where did that Achilles kick come from? Because I mean I've done a limited amount of tie boxing and a limited amount of MMA but that was not something, leg kicks are always to the top of the calf to the top of the calf or up to the the middle of the thigh Yeah, top of the calf or um Top of the thigh, yes, sorry. Um, uh, it was so they were sort of they started, we started seeing them in UFC a lot, and then um, I was talking it through with um, my taekwondo coach actually. It wasn't my Thai coach, so it's a good start. Um, my Thai coach always wanted leg kicks to be nice and high, so um, mm-hmm. um, he always said about dropping them, literally aiming for between the knee and the hip, um, aiming for that spot between those, yeah, so that, right um, in the middle. Right in the middle. I always aim for sort of the, the higher part of the middle. So I always, whenever I kick, um, aim for the top of the leg, I always aim for the sort of middle of, of the calf to the hip. Because if they do try to check, you're going to get up over the knee and then you're going to crack it down. Um, but my taekwondo coach had been about it before and he's the same guy who helped my oblique kicks. So um, my oblique kicks, so when I side kick the knee, 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I didn't use them in my last fight, but I do use them a lot. So the side kick in into the knee, they're brutal kick. It's a horrible kick, but um, it's efficient. Do you know what I mean like um, you're trying to tear the MCL, the ACL through us like by side kicking the kneecap out. Um, yeah, that was that was all through him. So he's um, he's a really chilled guy. He's really nice, but um, yeah, he's one of the ones who helped me, and then my Thai coach just helped me perfect it as well. It's interesting. It's it's that's the great. That's what I love most about uh, mixed martial arts is that it changes all the time. As soon as something becomes effective, something is invented to counter it. To counter it. So, um, John Jones's eye pokes or his um, or his, or or his oblique kicks. Do you know what I mean? They they're effective because they 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 work. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, somebody will. There, there will be a counter to to yeah. what what is going on there. It's the same for all combat sports. So like when I was in the judo, there was there's um so there's a jiu-jitsu move called the Japanese necktie, and it's a submission where you sort of um, it's a choke. It is. And I remember mm-hmm. in judo, um, there was a I'm sure she was a Brazilian girl, and um, she went through one of the tournaments and literally Japanese necktie everyone in in her weight division, and um, the setup and the way she did it was so different that everyone started doing it. So um, my coach who's still my coach now, my judo coach at the time, he was like, look, this is what we need to get used to. So he started running through with us. I was like, you need to learn to defend it because everyone's going to do it. I remember the next European comp we went to, everyone was trying it. And that's the way it goes. Someone does something that works and everyone tries it. So um, sort of like, um, uh, what was the good, good example? Remember the snap kick? So um, who's the who's, who's the famous kick guy? Van Damme. Remember Van Damme? John Claude Van Damme, yeah. John Claude Van Damme was like doing the snap kick with someone and I think it was John Jones and he knocked someone out in one of his fights and then everyone started trying it. Mm-hmm. Same as that. Um, it's like something lands and it lands well. Everyone starts doing it. Um, oblique kicks are another one. Um, obviously, John Jones' oblique kicks shuts people down and um, it's another tool in your arsenal and you shouldn't ignore it. So It's like Anderson Silva's, um, Anderson Silva's teep to the face when he knocked, was it Vitor he knocked out? Yeah. He got, he, got, he got what? TRTV tour as well. Yeah. <laughs> he crumpled him, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, he, did, he literally did as well. Like, <laughs> they, they sink down. It's funny when you catch people like that because like you caught him and instead of like, like you see people get dropped, so like you catch them and they fall back. But when you catch someone properly and you catch them, their legs give way. So like, rather than get like sort of knocked over, <laughs> they actually they, they crumple into themselves, and that's what happened yeah. with that kick. He kicked him, and he just sort of remembers his head going first. So his head hit his chest, then his chest <laughs> went in, and then he crumpled into himself before he hit hit the floor. So uh, one of the best live knockouts I've ever seen. This is this is going to be a great little segue, and could <laughs> could could go on to a different podcast with a different guest. Here we go, then. But, so one of the best live knockouts. You'll you'll know straight away where this is going because it went off on Twitter the other day. Um, was Nathaniel Wood knocking out some random Italian at the O2 for Cage Warriors before he joined the UFC? Fucking hell! Of a I I was there live and I've I've still got the video somewhere of yeah. me just going ah. The Italian comes forward to the one two, honey, and as yeah. um as the. And he'll sort of takes half a step back. He clips him with a long left duck. Yeah. And the guy just literally just falls over like a dead body. Like he corpsed him. Now, what, a mate of mine, I think he's a mate of yours, Mace. A guest of Sean's. Jack Shaw actually yeah. 
actually got into a Twitter back and forth with Nathaniel the other day. Nathaniel uh, is part of another friend of mine. Another friend of Sean's, um, <laughs> Brad Pickett. Um, how how would you see that? Look how close you've got to the camera. You're so oh, I'm really excited. About this. I am excited. <laughs> um, Jack, I've trained with for a long time. Um, Nathaniel yeah. Woods is legit. Um, and Brad Pick is good. Um, I think Jack would beat him. Um, just because I don't think. Just from watching his last fight. So watching Nathaniel Woods' last fight where he lost to... Can you remember the guy's name? Um, Dobson. Vet. Yeah, Do- Dobson. So Dobson specializes in close ranges fights because he's got short little arms, but he literally punches so fast. He looks like a drill going yeah. off. Like his arms move ridiculously fast. And um, Nathaniel Woods had reach. Oh, had reach. He had length. And I think if he'd gone into that fight with a better game plan, um, he would have won. Uh, at the end of round one, Nathaniel Wood obviously went back to his corner and um, the only advice he got given in that fight was to push on and then he pushed on and again clipped and got stopped. I just, I didn't rate his game plan in there. Like, if you're fighting a short fight there, especially one who specialises in short range fights, then fight him at long range. Like, don't yeah. fight him in their whole game. So, I think... Jack does Jack's game plan unbelievably well. It's very hard to stop him taking you down. He's got he's got very good striking. People people haven't seen his striking yet. Yeah, yeah. Because all he does yeah. is take you down and sub him out. And um, not so much his confidence because I know as soon as he needs to, he he can use it. And um, like is like I said before, his striking is is phenomenal. Like um, me and him have had striking battles before. We're um, not it's not heavy contact. We both just just had a laugh and um. He's he's good with his hands, and um, he's been working with his Thai coach, and his kicking's improving. So um, I think in a stand-up war, I think Nathaniel obviously could clip him, but um, I I'd back Jack on that. Not just because he's a Welshman, I could just see him beating him, but um, I won't really want to see him fight. I, I don't I don't you know because like I'm, I'm they're both British they're both British fighters, and Nathaniel was a really nice guy. Like I met him before, he's a nice guy, and um, he's like he's quite quiet, but. Um, He's nice and he trains hard and he's doing well. And um, I think this sort of knockback with Dobson is going to do his, he's going to do his sort of his style and his um, do experience wise. He's going to do loads for him because he's going to improve. He's going to look back on it and when he comes back, he's going to be another another level again. And I think a couple of wins for him, he's close to a title fight. And Jack, if Jack has another what three four wins, he could be close to a title fight himself. Yeah. I he's think keep winning and beating uh, people. I I did speak to Jack. Pretty much as as that was going live, and um, I think there is a little bit of ill feeling between the two of them. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, going back to Cage Warriors before Jack was champion. With um, airlines as well. Yeah, and yeah, because airlines. I, I'm going to have to call him airlines. I went and saw that fight. I was there. Yeah, but it, um, he's part of that that camp, isn't he? Yeah. Um, well. They were they Nathaniel didn't handle that too well. Like um, I do, like, like I said, I met Nathaniel. I, I liked him, but um, I understand they are training partners. But um, like it's hard because Jack's fa- Jack's fans are firing off Nathaniel, and they're always taking pot shots at him. And obviously, Jack's not going to correct his fans. 
because it's a, and it's a difference between fans and friends. Like, um, if my friends yeah. started ripping off on someone, and I didn't want them to, and it was sort of, I don't understand if someone else, but you, it's hard. But um, at the end of the day, like he's he may be British, but he's he was cage warriors. He was still English compared to British, yeah. and they were firing off on him and stuff. And you're gonna take that. And um, like I have beef off some of the English fans sometimes, and it's even though we're all British, we all like to take little pot shots at each other. Yeah, yeah. It is, but um, like the stuff Nathaniel was saying and about how like Eckendale was going to kill him and stuff like this, and um, then when it came down to, it, I think he just made Nathaniel look a little bit, a uh, little bit dull. So that um, because Jack dismantled Eckendale, like I didn't really see Eckendale as a threat when it came to him. I didn't see him on the same level as Jack. Um, when Jack was coming through Cage Warriors. The only person I ever seen as a threat to Jack was the Spanish guy. Um, can you remember? Um, he fought uh, Buland and sub Buland in about three point four seconds. Yeah. Um, he was a monster. Um, what's his name? He, the one uh, who kept calling Jack chicken all the time. Yeah. But again, on Jack's behalf, when I spoke to Jack about it, Jack said, "Look," he said, "He said it's not up to me. I said I'd fight him happily, but um, it's the matchmaker's hands." So, like, this is what I see when people say, like. Oh, who are you going to fight next? Do you want to fight Paddy? Do you want to fight so and so? I'm like, look, it's nothing to do with me. I get offered names. All I, all I've said is when I spoke to my manager, I said, look, I'm happy to fight whoever you want. I'd love to fight the UFC veteran if that's possible, but I don't really get to say to him, look, I want to fight so and so. They literally say, like, written in into my Cage Warriors contract, I've signed for when I won the belt was your first defense. You have no option but to accept. Um, I think most defenses, like, you can't. So anytime they send you a contract, so when I got offered um, my opponent, for when I got offered Joe, I took, the offer you is, aim and they say, look, do you want to fight? Like, is this who we want to fight? And you say yes or no. And if, if you say no, they'll find you a new opponent. I've never said no to anyone. But um, on a title <coughs> fight contract, you, you cannot say no. So if they offer you someone, you either accept or you vacate the belt. That's the, the only right. option you get. So, um, like, I know if they offered the him to Jack, Jack would have taken that fight. And I think, Obviously, Jack could have beat him. It would have been a hard fight, but Jack could have beat him. But um, that name never came up for Jack. And obviously, he's done the right thing. He's in USC. And what a debut that was. And Jack's one of the um, the only martial artists I've met um, who, like me, is obviously younger coming through. Um, like I'm 25 Sunday, but um, I'm still young. Do you know what I mean? Like 24, 25 yeah, is still yeah, young. Yeah. And he's the same age as me, Jack. is a couple of months older. But... Um, so he's he's the same. Like um, we're young, we've been coming through, and he's the only one I've met who trains like an absolute nutcase, the same as I, I I do. So like you train three four times every day. There's no excuses. You're in the gym. You're running. You're doing what you have to do, and you don't stop. Like it doesn't matter what's happening now. So like um, the past week I've been ill. Um, I ended up having my my celiacs kicked off again, so my stomach's been all over the place. But um, so I've been able to really leave the house in fear of shit in my pants. Um, that's happened a few times <laughs> this week. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, I train constantly. It doesn't matter whether I'm in isolation or not. I'm in the gym. I got keys to the gym, so I'm training there, hitting bags, um, doing my kicking sessions, um, lifting weights and running. You do crazy shit with a chair. Leg control. I'm trying to build leg control. My I flexibility is a problem at the moment, so I need to work on that. But like I said, Jack's Jack's a true a true af- athlete, and like um, I I could see him. I can't really see him facing any. A- adversary until he gets I see his next fight in the UFC going the same way as his first fight went which is him dismantling someone and then I could see him giving him a challenge but there's not like 
I've seen Cody Garbrandt. I trained with them and all, and like Cody's legit and he's a really nice guy. Um, but I think Jack could beat him. Um, and there's like guys like that, like they're legit guys and they're top of the thing. But um, I can't really see many that. It's weird because with divisions, they go through phases. Like when I was coming through lightweight division, there was so many sort of up and comers. I was coming through. There was um, uh, Reese McGee was coming through. Jack Grant, um, Jai Herbert. Um, who was the other one? Um, what's his name? There's another guy who would beat um, who would beat Reese McGee before. What's his name? Um, well, there's another guy anyway. Des may beat him not long ago. Um, and then there was obviously Desme, who was like floating around. He'd be an old head. There was um, Soren back. Um, and then there was like Jakobsen. There was Perry Goodwin. There was like nine fighters who people could see going for the title. And um, all of a sudden then, by the time it came after Jai won the title, everyone disappeared. There was just me. Um, Desme, I'd beat Desme. Desme then had beat um, Jakobsen to make sure Jackson was out. Perry Goodwin had changed weights. Reese had changed weights. Um uh, but that's the way they go. So a division goes from being stacked to empty. And I think that's what happened with the Bantamweight division. Like it went from one time where there was sort of like, um, there was Cody, there was, um, uh, who's, who's the guy who popped twice? What's his name? Um, TJ. TJ. Um, there was TJ. There was, um, obviously, there was all these different names of Bantamweight and they were all legit fighters. And now um, this, a lot of them are still there. They just sort of like, you don't see as much of them anymore, like especially what's happened with the belt now. We're um, obviously Sakuda's uh, got the belt. I, I don't think that does anything for divisions. Like two weight champions who don't really defend too regular. I don't think that does anything for the belt. I think it just makes the division go stagnant. Um, you've got it with um, the lightweight title at the minute now. So lightweight in UFC has gone a little bit stagnant just because obviously Habib's um, been sort of. He was off with, obviously, the... What was it called? What's the word I'm looking for? He was um, suspended for, what, 12 months? Yeah, when he was on a fight where he After decided... After a corner fight. Um, and then, sort of, he come back, and then, obviously, all this has gone on. But, um, like, it just doesn't do any good when all this stuff happens. It's just it's weird. It doesn't help divisions, and it just makes it all go weird. Because no one knows who's who now. So, like, lightweight division is stacked, but then, like, if you're not challenging for the title regularly and you're not having like two two defenses a year, then the division's starting to go pear shaped. Yeah, definitely, definitely seems like it. But and it and it's this fucking annoying time, isn't it? Like I've, I've, my Instagram and Twitter is full of um, what's going on in what is it, 9th of May? I think they're having three um, three fights over about four days, aren't they? Yeah, three fight cards. Sorry, three fight cards. Yeah, they're, they're stacked, but. It's weird. I think um, I think the thing that UFC are doing at the moment, or were doing, is slightly diluting the fights because they were having because of the the whole Reebok thing, the whole ESPN thing. I think they were um, they're giving us like so much all the time. That's why I I still enjoy going to the Cage Warriors stuff. Not just because I know the likes of you and I, I knew Jack. Um, I've spoken to Nathaniel before. Um, nice guy, Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like like a few people. That I just, obviously Brad would be there now that Sean's spoken to, um, etc. It's not just that; it's that how it's spread out throughout the year. You're not getting that constant, um, 
slightly diluted card, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, so you know, instead you of know, having loads of loads of with like one name on it, but loads yeah. of them, it's like that's a proper card where you've got where it's stacked. yeah, yeah. So, like for example, when you defend your title, <laughs> it's it's gonna be a, a loaded card, isn't it? Because they're. A, people haven't been active because they've been in lockdown. But B, because Cage Warriors isn't on every other week. No. Just to keep the TV ratings going. So what do you think? Do you think I'll get a fight again this year? Uh, I think think you'll get a fight again this year. I think it will be what we know. August is the date for now they have. Yeah, so what's what's August for? Cage Warriors, Cardiff. All oh, right. Well, yeah, I reckon you'll get it on that. You're a lightweight champ. But it's my card. Any, any card in Cardiff is my card. There's no Cage yeah. Warriors showing Cardiff without me. Yeah. Fill it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I don't know. Um, like I was lucky enough because there's two things I wanted to do before I turned 25. I wanted my BJJ black belt. Um, I never obviously told anyone that because you can never ask for a BJJ black yeah, belt yeah. because if you ever ask for it, your coach it's literally takes good. that as it's really, uh, what's the word, uh, disrespectful. So my coach yeah. would have kicked right off. But I always wanted a BJ black belt before I was 25 because I've already got a judo black belt and a kickboxing ba- uh, black belt. So I wanted a good trifecta. And um, I always wanted to win the Cage Warriors title. And um, the way everything planned out, I didn't think I was going to win it till June. So um, it wasn't too bad because then I thought I'll, I'll win it then. It's a little bit after my birthday, but it's close enough. And obviously the way it worked out, everything works out in mysterious ways. And um, I got to knock a uh, geezer out in four minutes to get a lovely, shiny uh, <laughs> piece of jewellery. Do you get to keep that? No. This is the, um, So this is, this is what's interesting. So this belt they got now um, is the belt that everyone's had. So this is the belt McGregor's had, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like, as soon as, as soon as you, you sort of vacate, so as soon as I sign the UFC, I give that belt back and what they do is they let you buy a replica. So um, you buy right. a replica of the belt. So um, I know Jack's got a replica. Um, I'm hoping they'll let me buy a replica from my first thing and then every time I do a title offence, I can buy a replica for that. Because I know in UFC, Good when idea. you win a title, um, you get a belt, and then every time you win the title again, they give you a brand new belt every single time. They, they, they changed that now, though, haven't they? they yes. Oh, the new one, they give you belt. rubies in it. They give yeah. you rubies. Yeah, they do a thing around the thing. Do they not give you a new belt <laughs> away every time of that with a different rubian? I'm... Mate? I'm pretty sure they do. I'm I'll, sure they still give you a new belt with just a different rubian. <laughs> so I'll give Joe Rogan a call. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> a speed dial. I didn't hear that. My um, my sound's a little bit funny sometimes, just because I'm outside. Yeah, it's outside. It's funny. It? It's yeah. funny. Um, it's a funny, slightly sad story, but um, I did actually have an in to the sort of Joe Rogan, Brian Callen, etc. In that, um, when I first started talking about doing a podcast, which is probably about ten years ago, um, I got back in contact with a comedian that I knew in. Uh, that I didn't know. I, I met him. <laughs> I met. I, I met him when I was working in New York, outside a comedy club. Uh, a guy called Brody Stevens, who was good mates 
with Joe Rogan. heard of him. Yeah, well, he... he re- heard of him. Um, a year or two ago, he actually, like, ended it all, just killed himself. Um, and... But I was in quite good communication with getting Brody on my podcast. And Brody then started suffering really badly with his mental health and sort of lost communication with him. Um, but, yeah... Like it's it's funny, isn't it? That like you're that one person away yeah, from getting like well, yourself included. Like Uriah Faber, all those guys at Alpha Male all know people like Rogan, etc. Yeah. It only it only takes one thing, and like, there was a I don't know if I spoke to you, Sean, about it, but there, recently uh, Rogan had the first um, Welshman on his show, didn't he? Who? Um, I'll, find his the name actor? Ash, no ash something his name is he's uh he does like exploring and stuff oh sick um he loves random things like that though i have to do something instead of uh, hiking man i think he's getting fed up with taking fighters on ashley dykes his name is ash dykes no i never heard of him he's, um explorer yeah he does exploring he, do, he does a lot of tie boxing and stuff as well no, he doesn't do any exploring now he's not allowed out of the house for more than an hour he does what he wants mate it's this guy here. I don't know if you can see. It's blurry. It is. Same. Same as account. Okay, I'll screenshot it now and I'll send, I'll text it you. Press the little the, the little arrow in the corner. There's and a little arrow. See, like an arrow. Push that, and you said um, share account with or oh, via message or something. And you push that, and then you can send it me. Oh, share this profile. Yeah, got it. There we go. Look. Dra- Neil. There we go. Dragon nose. Yeah, well, he um he actually gave he gave Rogan a, a Welsh flag, I think it was, um, and Rogan was like, "This is the coolest flag in the world." What? Like, I didn't even know this existed, and I like oh, fuck the off, li- Because <laughs> <laughs> um, and like the the little bit of me that was Welsh was a bit like, "Fucking yes, get in." Um, but yeah, like that, that Ash Dykes is actually quite a cool um. Cool guy. He's done quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, he's like he he solos his expeditions. So he literally walked across. Um, I think the Arctic maybe. Would that be mental? Can you do the Arctic, or is that the one you Antarctic? One of them you can't do. Well, he's done one of the icy ones. We'll I'm back. Sorry, my Wi-Fi went. All oh, right, it's okay. I've got to go in a minute anyway. But this this Ash guy, he um he actually went across one the the ice one that you can't you can do. Sorry, <laughs> get, or was it the ice one you can't do? He's done, and he did it by just dragging a fucking sled, and he's got some. Record. There are some fucking nuts people about, isn't there? Yeah, and he's it's just like people who run ultra marathons. Like you've seen that mad Kizo who runs ultra marathons. They're the ones like. 150 odd miles long, and he runs them through the snow with no shoes on, just bare feet. So why would you want to do that? Like, I understand you're tough as nails, but like, why would you want to run like 150 miles through snow with no shoes on? Like, why? Like, what's like, uh, like, uh, have, have, have you seen the bloke that did the? Is like he's known as the Iron Cowboy. No, I met him. I've met him. He's fucking bonkers, mate. I've met him. He is such a cool guy. Like, he's a bit like. He's a bit money orientated now, but um, he's wild. 50 50 triathlons in 50 states or something. In 50 days. 50 days, 50 states, 50 triathlons. 
Iron Man. Sorry, not Iron Man. I mean, they're they're hard, but Eddie Izzard has done something similar as well, hasn't he? I think he didn't. He, he didn't do um, an Iron Man, but no, yeah, he, he did. He did a marathon. He did a hundred and something odd in that. I also swim every ah, day, fuck. fifty days. Fuck all yeah. that. Izzard <laughs> <laughs> is a fucking. Yeah, he's another madman. Cross-dressing comedian. So why is he, he? He still managed to do what was it like fifty marathons in fifty days as well? Yeah, he did. Um, in in uh, South South Africa, he did it for <laughs> the Man, Mandela thing. Yeah, that um, the Iron Cowboy. When I I seen him at um in in um California in Team Alpha Male, um, Uriah had him in to do like a speaking thing, like a speech. Oh. And um, like inspirational talk and tell us about his story and all this stuff. But anyway, um, I was speaking to him about it, and like I asked him like a couple of questions, like how did you manage to eat? Because obviously, um, it's only a certain amount because they've traveling in in between, so obviously he was only sleeping a certain amount of hours because you had to cycle, you had to run all, all that distance, run a marathon every day, you had to um, cycle and, and the swim as well as eat, and then travel to the other obviously the next state. So like I, I was asking him questions like when did you get to sleep? How did you eat? And he was saying he learned how to eat while running and stuff like this. And like after every um, every sort of Iron Man, they they rub him down as soon as he landed on the chief fall asleep. And he said like the last couple of days, he went basically went clinically insane because his head completely went. So like um, he couldn't do any interviews anymore because he couldn't actually speak properly. Like his body just started shutting down. And then he said um. After he'd done them all, he couldn't just stop because the doctors basically said to him, look, it's physically impossible to do 50 Ironman in 50 days. He said, but if you're going to do it, they had to like, do loads of things. He had to do loads of prep work. And then afterwards, he said it took him something like three months. We had to slowly cool his body down. So like do light, lighter and lighter exercise. He said if he'd stopped, his body had got that to like a weird state where he was running for so long distances and cycling and swimming every day. That If he'd stopped, his body would have just completely shut down. He would have died. So he did something like two to three months of cool downs we had to do something light every day to get his body back to normal and that's what he didn't die like he's he's a mental guy but it was a brilliant time speaking to him like it's a, it's a good uh, documentary on netflix oh, it's awesome i'll um i'll check that one out I'll, if but i can you, have it if i can ever get back to my telly you're watching <laughs> you're like why 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 are you doing that right, right. boys i'm gonna have to get shifting because i've got a barbecue to cook for my father I think um, I've got another interview anyway. Uh, Happy days. <laughs> Happy days. Um, you guys carry on chatting. I'm going to have to love you and leave you, and hopefully I'll speak yeah. to you both soon. i got 30 minutes away, but it's good to see you now. Stay safe. All right. And you, mate. See you later. See you later, Sean. Bye. Bye. Sean. You good? Yeah, oh. man, I'm good. I'm good for a new couple more minutes, mate. Yeah, sick. So have, have you talked to anyone in Cage... Warriors, you had any anyone from Cage Warriors on lately, recently? Uh, not recently. No. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, the, the the two that I was supposed to have on, so one we did do the interview. I'm not going to mention his name. Um, it turned out to be one of the worst interviews ever. Oh, good. Um, uh, he well, was, tell me after after you stop recording. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you after. And the other one, you actually know. Um, and every time we booked a slot he hasn't arrived so oh, right yeah fantastic yeah um but yeah you're 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 the main you're the main man but obviously um i've, well, had, I've, had, <laughs> I've, had, 
I've had Liz Carmouche on. She's now in Bellator. Yeah. Uh, Jack obviously had on, and the legend that is Brad Pickett. That was a, that was a quite a funny one actually having Brad Pickett on. He was telling me all yeah, about Brad had a good laugh about, about all his Lego that he does and that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's um there's the commentator for Cage Warriors um Brad um he's a really good laugh. Like every time I, I do a Cage Warriors event, we always end up having a good chat and stuff. And um, uh-huh. he's I know he's had battles with mental health in the past. Um, and I'm sure he's tweeting not long ago that he had a battle with um, substance abuse as well. I remember he's mentioned really? what he's before. So he'd be a good guy to have on. And I'm sure he's got some wild stories. Yeah, he's been yeah, all the commentary and um, he always talks about how he always ends up getting covered in blood because he sat so close yeah, to the cage. Yeah. But um, uh, I'll drop a message and see if I can um, get him in touch with you. But he's, he's oh, definitely awesome. a guy. And um, also, he can get you in touch with all the rest of the Cage Warriors guys. But, yeah, um, I, I, did a, um, I did a chat with I said in a chat. That's that's the wrong phrase. I did um I did some training with is it jo- Josh Josh pa- Palmer? Josh Palmer, yeah, 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 yeah. He was he he was all right. He's not my type of type of guy, but he was all right. But doing some yeah. training with him, he was very much. Uh, I don't know if he he must have been picked on or something as a, as a kid or. Or picked on during jujitsu training because he was a he was a purple belt when I went and I was yeah. completely wet by the ears. Never done. It. I did a few rolls with Darren before, so I knew how to lock in a Kimura and do a fucking decent guillotine. That was about it. And he he was putting me in arm bars, but and all all sorts. He was putting me in all these positions I'd never been in. And he was and he was like, "Are you going to show me how to defend these or learn?" Just keep stabbing me like. Or, but he would just, he'd literally just suck it in, like, straight away. He'd be like, fuck it, got me again. Um, I was trying to think who the head who the head trainer was. Uh, Dosky? Not good with names. Terrible oh, names. So, something Dosky. He beat Dan Hardy in one of their first ever Cage Warriors. I think it was Cage Warriors or something like that. Uh, Lee Dosky, his name. Lee Dosky. Missing, a t- missing one of his teeth in the front. But anyway, he was he, he was a really really good coach. Like he would literally explain to you exactly how you want to be coached. Yeah. Uh, this this that Palmer bloke. Like one bit we would we were supposed to be doing um like MMA jujitsu sort of thing. So you'd start a bit and whatever. And um he almost got me in his armbar and I lifted as though, as though I was going to slam him to get out. And yeah. he was. No, 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 mate, you can't slam. We're not allowed to slam. And me being wet behind the ears, I let go. And he put me in the fucking armbar, didn't he? I was like, dickhead. Not having that. But I, I fucking had him, though, when we went into um, the boxing sparring. I had him then. He was, he was having... <laughs> I fucking plastered him. Fucking hell. That was actually quite funny, because they had a, a bloke that was... Um, I think he was Portuguese, and he was on his way up trying to get into the the pro ranks and what have you. And um, he was literally, um, if you won, you'd stay in. So you, it was first to ten points. If you struck to the head or the body cleanly, it was a point. A bit like amateur style sort of yep. point scoring. And uh, I must have been in there for about four or five fighters, and this bloke was like, "No, I'm not having that." <laughs> fucking Pro fighter gets in with me, and I was like, I was holding my own for a bit, and then all of a sudden he like went from 
60, 70% sort of Yeah, he stepped it up. Like, he stepped it up and I was like, all oh, right, I'm, I'm just here for a bit of fun, mate. <laughs> but yeah, so it's all good. I was, I was talking, um, I, I ended up doing a, a show on my own the other day. That Darren, like, like he said um, earlier, he was having a, a bit of problems with, like clearing his head. His yeah. daughter had got back and what have you. Yeah. And uh, it was his birthday, in fact. So I phoned him up and he um, he turned up. I was like, are you ready for this? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, something's not right here. Like, you're right. And he was like, yeah, I've just had a bottle of rum. Like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. So he, he was a bit too pissed. He ended up going for a nap. And um, I I decided to do a live, a live Instagram slash uh, YouTube sort of um, yeah. podcast. I have like how I originally did it. And the night before, I watched a documentary on the white-collar boxing, which is something that I've done before. Yep. And when you're when you're involved in the white-collar boxing, you don't realise how bad it actually is. In 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 the way they match... Uh, Mate, it's, uh, it's atrocious. The way they match you... I'll, show, I'll send you a couple of the photos of the bloke that I was matched with. I'll send them to you after. Um, he had a good 20 kilos on me and a good five, six inches height as well. I beat him, obviously, but um, that wasn't the point. But it was, it was more down to not so much the, the matchmaking. That That's a big problem anyway. Um, it was the lack of coaches compared to students. Like, it was packed. Like the, the, uh, the gyms and dojos and what have you, wherever they do all the training, the boxing gyms. It was it was ram packed and, and trying to learn how to box in eight weeks when yeah, most it's... of most of be novices and a lot of people forget you're getting punched in the head. <laughs> well, there's, there's no medicals, there's nothing, and um, like sports don't do them now. It just it's mental because so um uh out of Jack's gym, uh, obviously yeah, yeah. mixed martial arts. They had a guy who I've known for years as well. Um, I don't know him as a friend. Um, I knew him more so from through the gym. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. terrible with names. And I, it's not really my right <laughs> to mention his name anyway. But um, I do know that he was always competing in different things. Um, always um, doing this and two and now. And then he ended up getting brain scans. Um, I'm sure he was going to go pro. And um, it came up that on his brain scan that um, he basically had um, a problem with his brain that if, if he took an impact, he could die. So imagine some of that guy in white collar. There's another one now <laughs> in Team Alpha Male, Vince Mur- Murdoch. Um, he signed with UFC and with the American circuits he'd been on before he got signed, they never did one medical test and he did his brain scans for UFC, obviously the part yeah. of the medical process to get in and they said, look, you've got a, you've got a dodgy valve in your brain but basically any impact. So someone could hit him in the head of the pillow and he could have died. And he's been fighting mine for years. It's mad, isn't it? Train all the time. Yeah, but that guy, though, right, he's not right because he had brain surgery. They raised loads of money for it. And I went out and there was something like three months after his brain surgery or something, two months. It wasn't long. And he's back sparring. He was like, oh, just don't hit me in the head. I was like, mate. I was like, hang on now. It's like, <laughs> I'm not the most, like, I'm actually, like, I'm, like the roughest person ever so like um i'll mess like i can't even play fight with my missus because if i play fight with her i end up hitting her because i'm like 
accident, <laughs> but that sounds terrible. But do you know what I mean? When then people I'm just yeah, I know, with things. Like yeah. I like don't worry about that. She kicks harder than me. So if we ever got into scratch, she would definitely come off there. The same. Like if we start like messing Play about, goes, you don't know you're too you're you're too strong. You don't understand your strength. I'm like exactly. <laughs> but so like I was like test firing them I ended up getting hurt actually because like I was toy firing them and like trying not to obviously land anything to the head and just like working the yeah. body and stuff and just throwing stuff over his head thinking like don't go anywhere near his head because if you do and like you do catch him the guy's gonna die because that's all I had in my hand you're gonna yeah. kill him like yeah. and um, he ended up like right at the end ended up taking me down and pulling me over my hip and I strained my hip I did but um yeah, like he's he's the same. So these guys, like any of these guys, could be in a white collar fight. Like one of these guys, you have like even you, like you could have fought someone, and you could have like caught him with one good shot, and he could have been dead. Like it's just is oh, no. wild. And like the they, bloke they, in the documentary ended up having a having like two strokes. There's a, well, there's, there was, um, they were saying that he was sat there talking to his dad after the fight, and he was like sort of talking, but not really, like severely concussed. Clearly. And he was going through the part of the stroke then. Um, but he was saying that he didn't remember any of that. Didn't even remember having a fight. And then he woke up in the hospital and his missus telling him that he had a stroke. There, so um, in, in the gym, there's a guy who was in the gym with me the once. Uh, basically, I'd gone in because um, I was meeting a kicking session. I'm sure I told you this. I was having a kicking session with Carl Betty, my um, Taekwondo instructor. And... Um, I got to the gym early, and I never got to the gym early. And um, when I got to the gym, my boxing coach wasn't there because it's his gym. He runs it in the days, and he normally does his privates, and he had a late start. So um, we got there at 7.37, I think, 7.30. And um, he wasn't turning up till about 9. He wasn't. I don't think he was in a, in a rush to get in. And um, I turned up, and I opened the door to walk into the gym. And I was, like I said, it was early, and I'm never early. And there was a guy collapsed in the ring. And two boys with him. One of them ran into call an ambulance. The other one sort of slapped in his face. So I jumped in the ring, dragged his feet out, checked his pulse, and then started giving him CPR. And um, basically, oh. he'd had a heart attack. And um, uh, the week before, he just run a marathon. And he was... So they were, like, doing a little bit of, like, boxing sparring in the gym. And I'm sure he was on about... He was going to do a white collar eventually. Um, but, yeah, so um, the guy died. And um, he ended up having... Um, they found out he had a problem with his heart that could have gone any time. And um, that's another thing. So, like, um, obviously, he died in the gym, but um, he could have died in a fight with anyone. It's the same as anything. You, you never really know. Yeah, no. And the, yeah, but you are 100% right with the, the lack of medicals. I never received a medical. I basically had to fill out a form, which... And say, could I will not long. sue if I die, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically. Um, but it's like, do you have any health issues? If you did and you really want to do it, you just wouldn't tick the box, would you? But then that would be your fault. Um but the, the, what was the other thing as well? Like, when I finished my fight, um, I went back and got changed. You were supposed to go up, you were supposed to go up and get checked out by the, um, the medic that's upstairs. Medical, yeah. But nobody fought, like, I went into the back room to get changed. Nobody went and told me, no, you've got to go upstairs. There was no, none of that. So I, I just got changed and went out on the piss. Luckily for me, during the fight, I barely took anything, any sort of punch at all. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, well, there was a, there was someone else I was going to bring up. Oh, it's gone out of my head now. It was sorry, oh, no, no, me talking. It was the it was the experience, the experience levels. So all they did, they asked you, did you do you have any boxing experience? Like I, to be fair, I didn't lie. I was like, yeah, I've I've done um, a couple of fights for the Air Force, um, that sort of thing. 
But that doesn't take into account that I did two full training camps leading up to those fights for the Air Force. Muay Thai, kickboxing, they never ask any of that. No, they Even don't. Having no. combat experience. So being able to do, say you've done judo for years or you've done jiu-jitsu for years, you're used to competing. That's an advantage over anyone straight away. Like Definitely. People don't understand how never been in a contact sport before, never never been in a fight before. Like, even if, if you've been in a, in street fights or, like, fights with the rugby teams and stuff, like, how much more you're relaxed to other people who've never been in contact before. Yeah, Someone comes man. at you with violent tendencies, you can do this. Yeah, that, that was, what, that was <laughs> one freeze. of the main things that I took away from, from it as well. Like, on a, on a plus side for my fight, anyway. So, when I went and fought, I think I told you in the last... Uh, or the first podcast, I went to Bolton to do a uh, contest for the Air Force and I got matched with a bloke that was, again, massive and I think it was light heavyweight fighting out of the Olympic gym in, Mon- in Manchester or something. Shit. But when I first went out, my legs went to jelly because I wasn't used to the- it was only about 500 people there, but my- I wasn't used to that, wasn't used to any of that so I went out, my legs had gone already I had like a massive adrenaline dump Managed to outbox him in the first um, first round just by jabbing, basically, just like that. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> and then in the second, he caught me with two or three decent shots. And my legs had already gone anyway. And I was yeah. like on the floor. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm done. But as soon as I walked out in, in this white collar fight. Um, sorry about that. Um, as soon as I walked out in this white collar fight, I was like, oh, my legs are here. That's the first thing that went in my head. I've got my legs, which is obviously quite an important thing to have. But I was relaxed and uh, a bit like how you were saying earlier, not saying it's any sort of comparison. No, it is. It's fighting, but, but fighting's fighting. Uh, I couldn't hear the crowd. All I could hear, and to be fair, this is because Darren, I've always listened to Darren whenever, uh, with any of my fights yeah. that I've done previously... I didn't even listen to my corner because I knew, in, in well, I knew. I sort of had an inkling they didn't really know that much about boxing. Yeah. Not saying that Darren knows everything, but he also knows how I like to fight. Yeah, you trust him as well. I, I'm, I'm short, I'm stocky, I'm going to try and get inside, I'm going to... Work from the inside, work nice from and the close. Inside, use, use the heavy shots that I'm yeah. accustomed to. So all I could hear was Darren shouting out the same combo throughout the whole fucking fight. <laughs> All I could hear was 6-4! 6-4! It was obviously he wanted me to do the Mike Tyson hit to the body in an overhand right or whatever it was. I can't remember. That's all I could hear. And then that was, to be fair, that was the end. That was the combo like, I actually finished him with. But it was it was a good experience. But once once you're out of the bubble of the white collar and you actually watch it back on the, on the telly, on the documentary, you're like, oh, yeah, that's really shit. <laughs> when, when when I was there, I fucking loved it. I was like, I'm fucking training twice a day, sometimes three times a day, and then you'd go up to the white collar fight uh, training area and do another couple of sessions with them. I was I was in full fight camp, mate. I wasn't fucking about. That's the way, but that's the way. I lost like um, twelve kilos. I lost doing it as well. I was well happy. No oh, fair play. Not now. Though. I'll put it all back on now. Fat bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now isolation weight, but it, it don't count. Yeah, isolation weight. I should be getting. I should be losing it doing on runs. That oh, <laughs> I, I gotta get back running. Probably I have. It's just I'm not really set on to it. So um, 
I'll get back to it eventually, but um, and I'm now in a massive run rush to get back running. But um, I've started a little bit of light, obviously, before my stomach's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And obviously, this week now, I'll start back fresh. And Tuesday, Thursday, I'll get my runs in on Saturday and go from there. Well, we, well before we um, came onto the podcast, um, we went for a walk. I've got a lovely fucking. I might be able to show you actually, and and the, and the fucking fans of the show at the back of my fucking shed Oop, what have you got? so it's at the back of the old shed if you can see it oh awesome all this fucking massive fields everywhere so um oh, nice i've got a lovely area that i can go and fucking have a have a job which we discussed today i have to put all my fucking old uniform up it blocks the sun out <laughs> but yeah um yeah, I need to start doing a bit more than I am. Right? I've been, um, hopefully my boss ain't listening, I've been um, sneaking off to the roof of one of our buildings. Yeah. I've got all the, all the fucking nice weather, do a little circuit up there, come out oh, nice. a little bit more. Well, I just need to do a bit more of the old cardio side to yeah. start in some, I mean, me fucking puppy fat. Do you still like walking <laughs> the day? Um, fast cardio, do a couple of miles in the morning. Yeah. To be what fair, I've got no excuse. My main excuse is, now my missus isn't at work, I can take the car to work. Yeah. That's the big thing. I've got a fucking really decent uh, road bike that I can use to go to work. It's just I'm oh, that. Who can be arsed with that, though? Yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that, in, this is how mad it is, instead of getting up at 20 past five to drive to work, yeah, I would have to get up at, like, quarter to five. Yeah, and I like that. I like that little bit extra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I I've got to go. I have, but I um, yeah, I've mate. That's no podcast in fifteen. I've got to shoot anyway before she starts saying you've been on the phone for three hours again. <laughs> Thanks for having me on again. But mate, like I said, I'm sorry, pri- Blake. It's always a privilege, mate. And I'll catch you again soon, champ. Speak to you soon, Travis. He's one of my favourite human beings on this planet. You know, so down to earth. And he just... I could literally text him now and say, fancy doing a podcast, he'll definitely say yes. He's a, he's an amazing person and he's such a talent. He's 25 years old and the Cage Warriors lightweight champion. It's always just going to go up and up and up. Um, and he's a, he's a, he could talk for fucking Wales, don't get me wrong. Definitely could. But... You know, the third time he's been on the show and we're still finding new things to talk about. He, he is he's one of my favourite human beings out there. So thank you very much, Mason, for coming on the show. Cheers to Little Brown. And always, Dead Mammoth Coffee, Combat Fuel, Right Flanked and Infusion CBD. Thank you very much. And as they say in the regiment, per ardua.
through adversity. I'm Tomo and I'm out.